Did we already talk about this on Ninja Turtle? Did we agree that this is that this is the greatest movie theme song ever? Yeah, I think I've said this quite a few times on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I th- I've definitely said it on the video game episode with Natalie that time. I guess that was yeah. pre you being pre the co-host. 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 Being the co-host. Co-host. Um, but yeah, I might have said something about that on the Ninja Turtles episode as well. We should just rave throughout the time. Yeah, I mean, that's what I feel like. I got my glow sticks, I got yeah. my band, I got my mesh top and my bucket hat. Got my like ninja outfit on. Liu Kang. Johnny Cage. It's just naming all the characters. Goro. Actually, you can't select him in this game. Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast. Presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. And the Breadcrumbs Collective. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I am here with my karate fighter boy, Phil. How's it going, Phil? Do you remember karate fighters? Check, check this shit out. No. Karate what fighters were these things that were totally a ripoff of like Mortal Kombat, and they were sort of like <laughs> rock'em sock'em robots, but like you had two karate, karate. dudes, and they were sitting <laughs> on these two stands, and you just like hit these buttons or whatever until like one of your guys happened to hit one of the guys and made him go flying off of his stand. Oh, cool. Yeah. Great. Great. Sounds good. Good stuff. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like <laughs> rock and suck and bullshit. You play for a second and over. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the same thing with karate fighters. <laughs> I'm pretty sure WWE had a big like tie in with karate fighters and they were like going nuts with karate fighters. It they might have been around on. the same time they were doing um, uh, the Brawl for All or something. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. I do remember like fucking Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler fucking around. Yeah, get the karate fighters! <laughs> <laughs> These are way better than regular toys, somehow. <laughs> Do you remember Crush Hour? Crush not Hour? To, not to fucking swerve, but yeah, I completely can't smart. think of it. Let's go. Thinking of a weird WWE crossover. It was a PS2 game. came out in the height during the height of the SmackDown series. Mm-hmm. And it was a random anomaly of a game. And it was just wrestling and monster truck. Oh, Yeah. I remember and seeing you, videos for that, I think, but I didn't. And you would just fight. I died played it. It was <laughs> awful. Yeah. I bought it up on everything WWF related. Yeah. They got, they kept doing all those like really horrible games and toys and all sorts of things that like had like nothing to do with. Uh, Why was that a good idea? Yeah. Cars. With, with wrestling. Yeah. It was like, or like these scuba, scuba diver versions or <laughs> zombie versions or something. I don't know. It's like weird, strange shit. <laughs> like, the ones that would like ooze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. They were like yeah. plastic or something, and they yeah. would go. They would like bubble up. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like it sounds like we completely deviated, but I don't think any of these sort of things would exist without what we're talking about today on the podcast. So, without like, EDM, EDM, yeah, without EDM, you know, a lot of fucking drugs. <laughs> no, Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah. Before we get to the meat and potatoes of the episode, Phil, there's some big exciting things that happened. It's a Prince Charles cinema that we weren't allowed to talk about 
that we can talk about now that has a lot to do with what we've been, you know, discussing for the last 15, 16 Several weeks. Several months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's even something that we slightly <laughs> tongue-in-cheek joked about last week at the end of the episode. Because we knew. Because we, we knew, knew already, but we couldn't say about licorice pizza. Licorice pizza, it's happening. I want a five millimeter trailer at the Prince Charles Cinema. Um, yeah. Playing before select shows. I mean, by the time this goes out, who knows if they'll still be happening. Mm. But uh, check Prince Charles Cinema's social media pages, particularly twitter.com forward slash the PCC London, where yeah. we'll be talking about what shows we'll be playing before. Um, if it still is. If it's not, I'm sorry. But did you, did you <laughs> see that the trailer leaked as well? No, did it? <laughs> yeah. And luckily Shit. it wasn't from us. It was not, right? It wasn't us. Oh, fuck. Uh, it was from an Alamo. we've been on it. Yeah, it was from the an Alamo. Alamo draft house. So we won't tell you anything about it. It's just all we can say is that it's the it's the new film. It was what was Soggy Bottom. That's why we sort of joked about Soggy Bottom at the end of the episode last week. Yeah. Um, because we knew that it was actually called Licorice Pizza now. And that's as much as we'll say because you can go online and you can see as much as you want about it. And you might even be able to find the leaked version. I don't recommend that. Just come to the cinema I would and see it. Come to cinema, watch, and, you know, it's usually playing for a good film. Yeah. A film on film, a California movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, it'll probably be online in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, there's been rumors. Or so, Paul, shout out, Paul, told me. Shout out, Paul. That, uh, there was rumors floating around online that uh, PTA himself leaked the trailer that like because the, there's a, a laugh and stuff before the the video basically like before the trailer plays and then there's also a laugh in the video people are saying it sounds like PTA so he was like apparently it's him filming, filming it at, at Alamo draft house and then leaked it online that's funny part of me thinks that's that complete bullshit and that's stupid yeah. and like I don't know why someone would believe that but then PTA, it's kind of a popular thing right now to like leak trailers sure and you know yeah. it's, it's happening a lot in uh, Hollywood like um, Marvel films particularly like have gotten leaked a lot recently <laughs> to get that hype going yeah and it creates a yeah. crazy hype train and there's been a, a crazy hype train for uh, licorice pizza and the new pta film so oh man yeah people knows? coming in just for that yeah show selling out everybody when i was like on the door the other day they were like have you seen it or into playing today <laughs> and i usually fuck with them i was like i have no idea what you're talking about even though we yeah. can't we can't tell them at this point <laughs> yeah. they're like i don't know, I don't know. I don't know. yeah no yeah i i was there the first day and i didn't know it's happening yeah. And I was working in front of the house. <laughs> I knew and I didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. You, and I showed bitch. up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Paul was like surprised. Yeah. Like not that he didn't trust you, but he's like, holy shit, you didn't tell Phil. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we but, talk all the yeah, time it, and we're talking exclusively about Paul Thomas Anderson films like <laughs> lately and I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. I would work in front of the house and um, we were showing American Graffiti. Mm. And it was fun because Dusty, I was working with Dusty and she was going to be ushering because her parents were coming in to watch it. And that screening happened to be the first one oh, we were going to nice. show the trailer in front of the pool with there. Yeah. And it was just all this like stress and tension around it because you were going to do an <laughs> intro. It's like everybody wanted to run up there and watch it. And it's like we were conscious to leave the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like some of us watch it now. Yeah. Um, and I got to watch it, but it was like, you know, people coming in and out and it was yeah. like it was too much. And I got to intro the second one. Yep, which is what I came to see. Which Before was, Beavis uh, and Boothead. Beavis and Boothead. You stole me bomb. 
in front of a room full of people. No, it wasn't. Usually I do better. Okay. Usually I do better, but I feel like the crowd was like. They were weird. Though. I just don't think they knew what what was happening. Yeah, because it was it was shrouded with so much mystery that no one knew what the fuck like they're about to see. Yeah, because all I could see was, uh, uh, you're about to see a thing. Yeah. Um, don't <laughs> film it. Yeah. It's a big thing. Yeah. I just don't think people, like, really, like, knew what to expect. I yeah. did. Be- I do believe that I saw an old listener. I don't know if he still listens. If he does, shout out to Oh Hi Jamie. Um, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was in the audience on the same row as me for Beavis and Butthead. But anyway. Phil, we've just gone through 15 weeks of covering 17 films from Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson collectively. Oh, I'm exhausted. And we thought that we had wrapped it up. In a neat little package. And then we were done with it. And obviously, we'll talk about licorice pizza when it comes and French Dispatch, if, if it's even called that by the time it comes to cinema. <laughs> that would be funny. It's actually called Doggy Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to it. But we thought we were all wrapped up with it at the end of last week's episode. But then, at the end of the episode, a wild Anderson appeared and told us he wanted to throw his hat in the ring and be in consideration for the top Anderson. <laughs> with so, one film. <laughs> so being good, good sports and all, we're giving Mr. Paul W.S. Anderson his one shot. Paul West. With one film. Phil, it's time for Anderson versus Anderson versus Anderson. Anderson, yes. (laughs) We're really going to find out who's an Anderson guy. (laughs) As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. So last week, Phil and I had a luxuriously twee stay at Wes Anderson's Grand Budapest Hotel. And now this week, as we were unpacking our bags, we both noticed we had invitations to a mysterious martial arts tournament that sees the fate of Earth on the line. And Paul W.S. They didn't tell us that. (laughs) Paul W.S. Anderson's video game adaptation of what? What is it? What is it? Mortal Kombat! (laughs) In each of us, there burns the fury of a warrior. In every generation, a few are chosen to prove it. One of you three will decide the outcome of the tournament. Three strangers will travel to the mystical realm of Outworld to defend our people against Shang Tsung. You will and his forces of darkness in an ancient tournament. One more victory. Your soul is mine. And our world is theirs. It has begun. 
Legend has it that for nine generations, an evil sorcerer, Shang Tsung, played by Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, a.k.a. Johnny Tsunami, has been <laughs> victorious in hand-to-hand battle against his mortal enemies of the Earth realm. If he wins a tenth Mortal Kombat tournament, desolation and evil will reign over the multiverse forever. The God of Thunder, Lord Raiden, played by Christopher Lambert. I have no idea. Christopher why, Lambert? Christopher Lambert? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Handpicks three martial artists to represent Earth for his 10th and pivotal tournament. They are Federal Agent Sonya Blade, played by Brigitte Wilson? Hmm? Billy Mattis? Yeah. What? <laughs> Action movie sensation Johnny Cage, played by Lyndon Ashby and Shaolin Monk, Liu Kang. Played by Robin motherfucking Shue. God damn right. So cool. After agreeing to take part, the trio is transported to Outworld, the site of an interdimensional fighting tournament. There, the three humans must overcome seemingly insurmountable odds. Their own inner demons and superhuman foes are allow Shang Tsung to take over the Earth. It's the 1995 martial arts fantasy action adventure based on the most popular video game franchise of all time. Sort of. I don't know. Maybe. Some, one, yeah, of, top, one of. It's top 10. It's up there. Uh, by Ed Boon <laughs> and John Tobias. Directed by Paul W.S. Okay. Anderson. <laughs> Though originally he was credited as Paul Anderson. Which is yeah. kind of confusing. And the last time he could, I think. It was written by Kevin Droney. Phil, hot takes out the gate. Mortal fucking combat, 1995. <laughs> Mortal of course, we're talking about the original, combat. 95, 95. OG, 95. It's the only one I've seen. <laughs> I don't want to watch the other one. I mean, Mortal Kombat, honestly, it's a good old time. It's so fun. For, <laughs> so it's fun. really fun. And for yeah. a while, yeah. it was easily, by league, the best video game adaptation Hollywood had ever put out. And that's yeah. not saying much because it's since, what, a year after, a couple of years after Street Fighter? A year. A year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what Mario Brothers did a few years beforehand. And it was just like, what the fuck? Like, what is anyone doing with these properties? Mm. And now there's loads. And most of them are still boring and like bad, badly done. I hear the new one is good, new Mortal Kombat. And there have been decent adaptations recently. Pikachu was good, Sonic was good. I don't mind Prince of Persia. I'll say that <laughs> on the record. My boy, yeah, my bubble boy sure. in, who's <laughs> pay, playing a Persian prince. It's good. It's dated mm. from a lot of things, not just like the visual effects, but like the music, the mullet, everything screams 95. But I guess that's, you know, when you think of Mortal Kombat, you think of the night, you know, it kind of works. But it's fun. It's like, <laughs> it's not, the action's not great but there's a lot of it and like it honestly does its best to be as authentic as possible and I really appreciate that like there's a lot of even if they don't really know what they mean they <laughs> they throw the catchphrases in a lot like yeah. they say flawless victory a lot and it's never it's a flawless never, victory like there's one flawless victory and I think like they the don't even fight, say it. I think yeah <laughs> yeah he just yeah. fucked that dude up yeah like Goro looked amazing yeah. that's a really cool like animatronic effect yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's fun and it's like a sort of celebration of the franchise. It's like been included in the video game going forward. Yeah. Like it's yeah. almost just tied into it. 
Yeah, they've taken a lot of the actors and stuff who and let them reprise their roles via voice uh, for like Mortal Kombat 11. So. so it feels like a cool, like another entry in the series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah. it's, it's fun. I remember watching it as a kid and being so surprised how much I liked it. And now it's, you know, you kind of, a lot of it you could laugh at, but it had a sense of humor. It like, it knows when it's kind of being shitty. I wish they would, I wish they could go, could get away with it more. I think that's what would have stepped out for me. Not nearly enough, like blood and gore and like yeah. impaling. It happens, but you don't see it. Yeah. And they try and work around it. There's a few, like Scorpion gets fucked up. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And I love Scorpion. I think he's done really well. Yeah. I was very surprised by some of the Scorpion stuff. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things I think I learned years later about Scorpion's sort of backstory. And I think that's With what's kind of... Zero yeah, and that's what's interesting about the new one, that it really plays on the Scorpion Sub-Zero storyline. Yeah. Yeah, with this, it was like... they. I mean, it's you know, hinted at? The, yeah, it's sort of hinted at. Like, he calls them rivals, but basically, like, Shang Chong is, has got them both on his side, and they're just, yeah, like... controlling know, him. They're just, you know, henchmen. And it is what it is. They're super cool. I mean, for fuck's sake, like without Sub-Zero in this film, we wouldn't have had like the masterpiece that was WCW's Glacier. Which is like (laughs) hilarious. Like one of the the, like the most like ball dropping like fucking examples of trying to package a new star for television. It's like, of course, this isn't going to work. This is like a drop in the ocean of like, of something that was like popular at the time. It's like Gangrel. It's like, it's awesome, like an awesome entrance and everything, but it's really in the grand scheme of things, a wet fart, you know? And it's like the entrance (laughs) looks amazing for Glacier and it was so cool. And they spent so much money, like for every entrance, it was just like really expensive and cool outfit. He looked just like Sub-Zero, except like more so Sub-Zero and Annihilation. But this was pre-Annihilation, which was really weird. Um, But like, he looked cool as shit. And then, yeah. It sucked, actually. Like <laughs> yeah, other than that, it's like, it sucked. It's better in the movie. Yeah, it's so a cool it's just outfit like and trying to it. cash in on things. But like, yeah, it's amazing. This film, like, I yeah, like I was so obsessed with it when I was a kid because I had I dug it. Fucking, I was the right age. I was, you know, five, six years old when this came out. I took karate and stuff as well. I was obsessed with like karate shit, like. You know, it's like the three ninjas and double dragon, even though the film sucked, but oh, like awful. Beverly Hills horrible. Ninja. Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> yeah, like anything like karate um esque, like three ninjas was like right in my wheelhouse. But like, yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat was I played the video games a lot and then yeah, Me too. But, you know, just getting the chance to like see a film and it was badass. Oh, Power Rangers is another thing, which this is like Power Rangers. This is very Power Rangers. This is very Power Rangers, but like it's a little bit more it's a little bit more adult and Darker, teenager-esque. Yeah. Like, it does that time. Ninja Turtles thing. Yeah. I think it rides yeah, yeah. that Ninja line pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, the first Ninja Turtles for sure. Whereas like the second film, <laughs> Annihilation, sort of got a little bit softer and it was just like fucking yeah, horrible. I've only seen like reviews and trailers for yeah, the second one. It's but it's like good. immediate drop in yeah. quality. Yeah. It's visible. Yeah, it's basically like going from like, you know, TMNT two to like number three, like it's just oh, like, the fucking oh, Teldon and Time oh, one, so bad. The samurai one, yeah, like it should Awful. work, but it's so bad. Yeah, so I I appreciate that, and this like you know years later learning more about the actual story behind Mortal Kombat, like the the you know the actual story of the game. Mm. It's like well done. It's really well done. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. you said, I it's, always like the story. It's not as gory. It's not as like bloody and stuff, but like they couldn't do that. Like without, mm. they had to make this film like a PG 13. They couldn't make it an R rated film. And if you had that much blood and guts and all that sort it of stuff that you have in the video games, it wouldn't have been able to hit its target demographic, which is like, you know, teenagers. Yeah. So it's like they were smart and I think they did just enough to like, you know, make it like pretty fucking cool. Like I was saying, I, I started this ramble was like about Scorpion. I was so surprised with his like, like I completely forgot. He takes Johnny Cage basically to his lair, like he to, takes hell, him to hell, to the nether realm. And it's like, it's what are like, the rules of this place? Yeah. <laughs> How did he get out? And then you're in hell. <laughs> and sometimes you're just like in a pit yeah. with fighting with sticks. Well, it makes sense if you're in Outworld, like there's a lot of weird stages and they're trying to, I guess, go with like the they way do the game. Well. There's a lot of stages yeah. and stuff. But Scorpion has the ability to take people to the nether realm, which is hell, basically. Yeah. And he, that's his lair. And he like is stronger in hell and stuff. So one, Johnny Cage wouldn't have beat him at all. Yeah, that would cool bullshit on that. But also, if he even managed to, how did he get out? Like, can Raiden? Yeah, did he just Raiden live there now? <laughs> like he becomes the king of hell yeah but i was i was so like so uh taken aback by that scene because i forgot about it like i remember the fighting in the forest and i'm i do slightly remember him taking him to the like a realm another level or whatever it looks like like freddy boiler room yeah yeah, it's not quite hell but it's like it's definitely supposed to be scorpion's lair which is kind of cool so, like, I think what was interesting about this, they obviously had, like, some info about what was coming up in future games because they started, yeah. like, revealing characters that hadn't been released yet because I think it was in, like, a test phase for Mortal Kombat 2 and they might have had some ideas even for, like, what was coming for the future and stuff. So it was kind of interesting how they were, like, piecing together all these little things and kind of creating the story. And I think it's well done. I mean, Scorpion's weird thing coming out of his hand doesn't make sense, but... It's weird because in the game, it's just like a chain. Yeah, yeah. That you can hook like, people with. But in the film, it's like sentient. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a, a rope dagger. Like, that can die. Yeah. <laughs> it hits a tree and it dies. Yeah, it's like a rope <laughs> dagger in, in the game. And like, yeah, you know, it's an actual weapon in real life, I guess. But yeah, this is. It, it looked cool, though, when it just opened. <laughs> yeah, I do like. It's sick. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk more when we get through the characters, but like, literally every line scorpion then in the variation of get over here get over here get Come down here, here. Get, get back here, here. <laughs> yeah i think that was actually ed boone maybe or john tobias one of those two the one of the creators he did of the, the voice of scorpion yeah, who did That's the voice cool. in the film which is pretty sick well before we move ahead i just wanted to give a quick little history of mortal kombat in case if you aren't aware of what what the uh backstory is to this crazy oh, fucking you gotta film. play him so, of course, the film Mortal Kombat is based on the popular fighting game series of the same name, originally from Midway Games, until they went bust in 2010, and now the series is developed and published by NetherRealm Studios, aka Hell Studios, <laughs> uh, and also Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, who bought the property. The massive franchise has spanned for nearly three decades now, seeing over 20 games produced, including spin-offs, ports, and collections three live-action films, three animated films, two (laughs) live-action TV series, an animated TV series, comic books, and so goddamn much more. The first installment of the video game series was developed by Midway Games in 1992 to compete with the super-popular Capcom fighting series Street Fighter. 
Mortal Kombat creators Ed Boon and John Tobias said that they originally planned to develop a fighting game influenced by the 1984 arcade game Karate Champ. They wanted to have a ninja-themed game, but this idea was rejected by Midway's entire team. Instead, Midway wanted them to develop a game based on Universal Soldier and featuring yeah. a digitized version of action star Jean-Claude Van Damme. Unfortunately, Van Damme was in negotiations with another company for another video game that was never released. And after the success of Street Fighter II, the fighting ninja game was back on. Of course, <laughs> they took a lot of inspiration from and or they parodied Jean-Claude Van Damme. They just did it anyway. <laughs> in the form of Johnny Cage. Yeah. He's also a narcissistic Hollywood movie star who performs a split punch to the groin and a nod to a scene from Bloodsport, which again, this series definitely owes a lot to. We also see inspiration from films and actors like Big Trouble in Little China, with Lord Raiden influenced by the storm's rain, thunder, and lightning, and Shing Tsung being influenced by Lopan. The character Liu Kang is obviously inspired by Bruce Lee and Mm -hmm. Sonya Blade by martial artist Cynthia Rothrock. And Kano, with his infrared eye, was based on Arnold Schwarzenegger's makeup in The Terminator. (laughs) The first game was impressively developed over 10 months by a team of only four people on a budget of $1 million. What was unique about the game was that its characters were played by live actors who were filmed by a high 8 camcorder and digitized into the game. The final arcade game used 8 megabytes of graphics data with each character having 64 colors and around 300 frames of animation. Originally, the game was released as an upright arcade unit before it was ported to home cartridges on SNES or SNES and Mega Drive, (laughs) where it made over $300 million in sales. So basically, the graphics and everything, it doesn't really sound that impressive by today's standards, but at the time, the game was a massive fucking hit, and it was like nothing that anybody had seen before. It was cool as shit. It was super gory so graphically violent and gory in fact that it became a lightning rod for congressional debates on video game violence and it led to the eventual creation of the entertainment software ratings board or the esrb in america a system they still use to this day so yeah yeah <laughs> fucking influential and change the world change video incredible game. game have you ever like seen any of those like that footage of them like filming the uh, actors and stuff. It's I've seen so some of it. cool. It's like motion capture before that was even a thing. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like I think by the time they got to the second game, they were they were using an even more like insane camera because they had a lot of money at that mm. point. But like, but yeah, they were filming these people like, and it's so cool. And like, you see actual. It's like actual people animated yeah. into the game. It's really cool. Have you ever? There was a Street Fighter the movie game yeah yeah i remember that game and, yeah. and they made that like mortal kombat <laughs> so it had digitized just, yeah they had digitized like actor it's yeah. so weird it's like based off a video game a movie based off a video game turned into a video game based off another video game and it, it was really shit really slow and like fucking horrible to play but it was like Street Fighter trying to rip off Mortal Kombat yeah, all of a sudden and it's like really weird were you yeah. were, did you like the game yeah, I up. loved the games growing up. I had, um, I th- I'm pretty sure I had like Ultimate Mortal Kombat, which was I think third game, and then I had I had Mortal Kombat two on like Game Boy, I think. So the Game Boy was like a lot 
like more digitized and weird, but it was cool. Like it was still basically the same, but mm. yeah, I definitely remember playing ultimate mortal Kombat like crazy. Like when I was a kid, so fun. Oh, and then deadly Alliance, uh, which was like the cool first, like proper 3d one. That's the one where it jumped to 3d. Yeah. Except they yeah. fucked up and they like killed Luke Kang off. Yeah. Beginning. That was weird. Just like, what? That- He's the hero. Yeah. It's Luke Kang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's when they introduced like i forget the guy uh yeah that like weird sorcerer that new sorcerer. Yeah, yeah who was actually behind the whole scorpion like yeah the yeah, yeah. family's death and it wasn't something new at all yeah time. yeah that sort of thing <laughs> no yeah i liked them too i didn't play them on um i know they're on nintendo and sega uh but i had it on playstation mm. they re-released it on ps1 as mortal kombat trilogy and it's the first three games and that shit was like as someone who's like only used to playing like Tekken and Street Fighter Mortal Kombat was like a whole another world and it's <laughs> yeah. like one of the first fighting games I remember like really trying to get good at trying to memorize all like the combos and trying to learn the finishing moves mm-hmm. and the trying to get every character's fatalities on the right stages, trying to do like the special one like Johnny Cage's friendship yeah, ending yeah. Really like leaves like you know, photos and stuff. Yeah. Which they do in the movie. Yeah, which is so cool. So yeah. A great little reference. Yeah, yeah no, I, I really like that, that game. But I, yeah, it was sort of those three, and I didn't really play it, not consistently anyway, until I think NetherRealm took over and they rebooted it. And their last few, like they did Mortal Kombat, and then like Mortal Kombat X, and now Mortal Kombat 11. Yeah. And those have been really, really good, really cool. Yeah. They even did their crossover with DC. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat vs. DC. Did they not have like like uh, Freddy Krueger in one of the games as well? <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, they it's did. Like really they did crazy. like a slasher pack. And yeah. like they've had Ninja Turtles on there and like a bunch of weird fucking cat. Rambo, I think, wow. within <laughs> a recent like patch they did. Yeah. Those games are really cool. I'd yeah. recommend anyone buying them and watching like all the, any game like that that like just it's surrounded in, con- in controversy. Usually like. I mean, the board combat is still pretty violent, but they, usually, you know, it's it's kind of tame now. Like from like the stuff you can do in GTA, mm-hmm. and like other games that have come along and sort of taken that mantle of being the most controversial game. It done. It may not seem like much, but at the time, it just blew yeah. everyone away. Yeah, it was. So you can see why a... they wanted to make a movie. Yeah, exactly. Because it was like topical. It was like something that they knew they could sell tickets to. It's like that thing. It's like, well, of course, kids, are gonna, they're gonna fucking play it. Like you know. Yeah, like because it's the thing you're telling them they can't play, and it only makes things like more popular. It's like controversy creates cash. Like you know, it is like exactly. It's exactly I mean, that. and like, and sometimes they ruin it for them. Like, so OG Mortal Kombat had blood, and on home console, Nintendo took out the <laughs> yeah, 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 and or they didn't even take it out. They made it gray, so they yeah. could get away with saying it was sweat. Yeah, they basically they basically had to take it out. Yeah. And then, yeah, with the Mega Drive, I believe there was like a code that you could put in to add it back in. Exactly. Yeah. But that drove sales mm-hmm. of the Mega Drive and that the game on that console. You need blood for it. And I think the second Mortal Kombat on Nintendo had put it back in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess they just needed the rating. I'm surprised yeah. they didn't have it until then. Like, you need to protect yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like clearly this isn't for kids yeah. kids shouldn't be playing it they're gonna but we like, legally have to say they shouldn't be playing it that's why I love the 90s so much it was like this weird sort of 
like wild west yeah it really was it was like because somehow like things started to change where i mean for the better like stop being so stuck up about stuff and weird Mm. about stuff you know like things that your kids are are watching and stuff Uh, obviously there's like there it got stretched to the like fucking umpteenth degree where it's just like for fuck's sake all right pull back pull back pull back which i've talked a lot about during like the uh fast and furious films because of how like (laughs) that series you could tell like in that early sort of like 2000s period it was just like really fucking weird and it was like it reminded me a (laughs) lot of yeah it reminded me a lot of the way wrestling was as well and it was just like it really all right guys pull fucking back a little bit you don't need a mud wrestling match every week yeah yeah you don't need to be like over sexualizing every fucking thing you know because that's not i don't you know i i think it's weird. I think a lot about like the kinds of stuff that my like nieces and nephews watch and stuff. And it just seems so different to how, when I was a kid and like my mom just didn't give a fuck. And like, I was watching like Chucky movies all the time. Yeah. And you know, we like, that fine. Like, yeah, I feel, I feel great. I feel like I, like I really appreciate the ability to have had that as my childhood, like, you know, to like have had fucking nightmares that weren't like yeah, the yeah. bear from brave. You know, like, you know what I mean? That's like the kind of shit my nephews or whatever will like be afraid of. Like, that, like malignant. Yeah. <laughs> malignant. Oh. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. So I, I love the fact that I was able to grow up on this and like how that was like a big thing. And there was like all those things. Like a big example was wrestling. It's like when things were being deemed as bad and you can't watch it. Like it only made you want to watch it more. And you kind of like became more popular because of that. So it's like this exactly. series was super fun for that. And when they made this film, it was fucking fire. And that stupid ass theme song, like it fucking Christ, man, it's so good. The whole actual, the whole soundtrack. I know you said it's like dated. It is for what it is, but dude, 1995, 96, we've said this numerous times when we hit that year. Holy mm. shit. The soundtracks are insane. Like just insane. <laughs> Yeah. More combat, Bait Jam, Batman Forever, back to back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the film a little bit, before, I don't know, it's not going to be that long of an episode. I feel like, hey, Phil, I, you know, I've been talking about the game and stuff, and I feel like our energy's dropping a little bit and we need to pick it back up. So I'm going to have to call a snack time. No, it's not over yet. We still pretend. We'll have a little snack time now that we've plateaued. It's snack time. We'll have a little snack time now that we've plateaued. It's snack time. We'll have a little snack time now that we've plateaued. What, 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 what? Phil, we're talking Mortal Kombat. We're talking games. I need my gamer fuel. All right. <laughs> so I've got me a... Oh, you son of a bitch. A monster punch. Punch oh, man, energy. That's fucking perfect. Look, it's got the Shaka Bra on it as well. Shaka Bra. Shaka Bra. Pipeline <laughs> 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 punch. It just felt like this is... It's got it's the M for Mortal Kombat as well. Poison. We are ready. We are ready. Oh god, I hate that fucking trip. <sighs> oh god. <laughs> it's like 
kind of almost an okay flavor, like a sort of punch flavor, but then it just yeah. kind of like has a weird aftertaste. It's like petrol. <laughs> it's like a big can of it. Wow. <laughs> oh man, I gotta get fueled for this. <laughs> oh man, how many? I don't know. Like punches to Gora junk. Do you give it? <laughs> do you think he had like? All right, anatomically speaking, do you think he had? Mo- he definitely had like two dicks and four balls, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how many of those do you, do you give your monster punch? Um, I'm gonna give it. Uh... You might have to give it a minute. You know, see if it makes you void your bowels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give it like. Yeah, I think just one. I think one punch, just like Johnny Cage. One That's punch. All you need. One, one, one punch, punch, man. One punch <laughs> to as many dicks. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it's not oh, great. Man. It doesn't look great. But I'm gonna. You gotta it. finish it though. You gotta down it. Phil, what do you what do you got? <laughs> so you went for the M, and I went for. See, I wanted something like bloody, gory, meaty, but it's like I don't really eat meat, and it's like. And I was like looking for something rib flavored. I couldn't find it. It was barbecue. It's like not really what I want. So it's just like Mortal Kombat with a K. Yeah. You know what else starts with a K? A Kit Kat. <laughs> but not just any Kit Kat, because I know I've done Kit Kat before. It's a Kit Kat salted caramel popcorn flavor. Ooh. Bro, we work at a cinema. We serve popcorn. It's meant to be. We're talking about a movie. Well. We're talking about yeah. movies, honey. And with my Look, M and your K, we have MK. We have MK Ultra. Ultimate MK Ultra. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna take a bite because I can't. You know, with the chunky, usually I have a whole system. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> I feel like you went blind taste. in one eye yeah. after that step. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna take a bite. Usually, you know, like I do it, break it off bit by bit and eat around it, but. I don't have time for that. No. <laughs> doesn't, oh. doesn't look good. Is that is that one of those that's just not a good uh, not a good flavor from Kit Kat? Can't win them all. <laughs> no, that's really weird. <laughs> I don't like that. And I love I love everything Kit Kat do. Yeah, you had <laughs> you had that like zebra stripe one or whatever one time. The zebra one. Talking about how good it was. That was good. Regular Kit Kat, peanut butter Kit Kat. Yeah, is one of the best. I love orange Kit Kat. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's the sweet thing. I don't like you know. It's like first you take a bite, and the first bit is like it tastes like a Kit Kat. Cool, cool. I'm in flavor country. Like I'm comfortable. I know where I'm going. And then the salted caramel hits you, and it's like, all right, it's kind of thickening. Yeah. Too much sweetness. Yeah. And then it starts tasting like popcorn. Ugh. And it's got that, w- and it's just, it's not right. Because yeah. it's not, it's like a soft, gooey taste in your mouth, but it tastes <laughs> like popcorn. It's not right. It's like your brain is confused, you know? <laughs> yeah. Two ball punches. <laughs> yeah. How many uh, buttons do you have to mash on your controller <laughs> to get your fatality? No, two. So you I got it on it easy two. mode. It's only two buttons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I give it two. I got to give it two. All right. So how does this movie come into play with this fucking video game? <laughs> so how did it happen? While Mortal Kombat 2 was in playtest phase and the first game was still only available in arcades, movie producer Lawrence Kazanoff 
visited Midway to speak with them about cinematic possibilities of the series. Video game films were like still pretty high demand at this time, despite Why? Super Mario <laughs> Brothers Why? from 1993 being shite, Double Dragon from 1994 being a total bomb. Both were despised by critics and fans alike. The super campy Street Fighter from 1994 fared a little bit better financially, but it was still many years away from earning a cult following from home video. So (laughs) Midway wasn't too convinced due to the lack of success of these other video game films, particularly like Mario Brothers, I guess, would have been around the time um, when they were amping up production for this film. Bob Hawkins at Liu Kang. (laughs) Dude, there are some dumb suggestions that get thrown around. Uh, So, yeah, it was like several months later, Kazanoff just kept going at him and he finally wore him down and they agreed to license the film rights to him. So New Line Cinema greenlit the film and they didn't really think it was a you know good idea. They supposedly hated the script, but they just <laughs> kind of like went with it. Uh, scumbag Rob Cohen, who directed uh, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story and the first uh, Fast and Furious movie. We have uh, Steve Barron, who directed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Coneheads. What a legend. Legend. My God. These two guys were both considered to do the film until Lawrence Kazanoff saw the 1994 movie Shopping, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, which <laughs> Paul W. Was reportedly made for only $100,000. They loved his innovation and his fresh approach, and they were convinced that he was right the right person to helm the film. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson happened to be a fan of the Mortal Kombat game, and he was very enthusiastic, even though he had absolutely no experience with visual effects. He told the Hollywood <laughs> yeah, no re- shit. <laughs> He told the Hollywood reporter in 2015, "I went to Samuel French's bookstore and I bought every single book I could find on visual effects and matte paintings on CGI. I had the jargon down. It sounded like I knew more about CG than anyone else in Hollywood, even though I'd never been to a visual effects house. I kind of bluffed my way in, but I think they could see the enthusiasm." <laughs> <laughs> and that's what count. I mean, you know what? They like there are a few things that like hold this movie up that like carry this movie story, and it's like it's a few of the performances, and I think it's Paul W. S. Anderson. I think he does an actually good job as much as he can, and I know he wanted to do more yeah. that he wasn't allowed to do from the studio, and I think it would have been better if he got to make his version. But you know, he seems like a genuine like video game fan. Well, keep going back to that. Well, yeah, just done it for like the, yeah, I know he did a bunch of Resident Evil movies. We'll probably end up doing it for Fat Giant. Um, And now he's doing Monster Hunter and stuff. Well, that was the thing. uh, I actually care why, like we haven't said this. The reason why we did pick this one, obviously the whole pod, Paul W.S. Anderson, we joked that he like, he came in and asked to be a part of this uh, Anderson people versus Anderson thing. Asking, but people though. kept asking and we picked this one. The reason why we picked this one is because one, it's an awesome film. I love Mortal Kombat. It's a fun time. It's not like the perfect film, but it's super fun. But also like another big important series from him is the Resident Evil series. Mm. But like he's done a lot of those films and it is something that I think we want it to cover over on franchise, which Season two of franchise will be coming very soon. And we're talking about zombie movies, which are the films from Mr. George A. Romero. But I think it would do a disservice to zombies if we didn't start there, To if we had started with Resident Evil first. So I felt like we needed to go of course. with George Romero's films first. But then 
yeah, work like, our way back. We'll eventually get to. I feel like because I feel like there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about with these Resident Evil films. So that's oh, yeah. why we didn't do one of those. So yeah, I mean, it, it, Resident Evil is a good example of like Paul W. S. Anderson's like wanting to like take control of a project because yeah, he like shepherded the whole franchise. Yeah, really. even the ones he didn't direct, he produced. Yeah, and they got they did get closer to the video game. Yeah, and they went on to Definitely, give him yeah. better. And that's like what the difference is like with Mortal Kombat two, and I think that was a big thing because he didn't do Mortal Kombat he Annihilation. Left, right? He left. Yeah. And he said that that was a big regret of his that he didn't do it because it he didn't like it. Was it. Bad. it was really yeah, bad. I mean, and, and he wanted it to be good. Yeah, he wanted it to be good. That's a real fan. And that, like, that's one of the reasons why he's been like, you know, basically the shepherd of the Resident Evil series. So I appreciate that. I don't, I've not seen all of his films. I've not seen his first film. I've not seen all of the Resident Evil films yet. Like I've saw most of them because I was kind of all the Death Race movie, all <laughs> Monster Hunter. Yeah, I was a big fan of the uh, Resident Evil uh, video game series and even the films, even though they were kind of hit and miss here or there. But mm. they're kind of fun, and I do like Paul W S Anderson for that. Like you know, it's I don't I wouldn't go out of my way to say he's like a shite director or anything. No, he's not making no. the same films that we've been talking about with like Wes Anderson and. Paul Thomas Anderson. Everybody has a style, man. But it's something different. And it's cool, and I, it's it's cool that he's like the opposite of you, Bull. Basically, someone who keeps Literally, making video yeah. game films, but he's actually doing an okay job. You Bull is a piece of shit. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. So the original screenplay for this film was more faithful to the game and the fact that it had graphic violence and strong language, uh, making for an R-rated script. But yeah, like I said, New Line. Inclu- included in their agreements that the producers had to deliver a PG-13 film uh, so that they can hit their target demographic audience of teenagers. Uh, the film's script was still being written during pre-production, so Paul W.S. Anderson and the actors were able to provide a lot of input and ideas. And Paul Thomas... Uh, Paul Thomas... Paul W.S. Anderson <laughs> and, um, also encouraged the actors to improvise during filming. And that added a lot of the humor that you have in the film, particularly... With like Lyndon Ashby, who plays Johnny Cage, he came up with the line. Those are five hundred dollar sunglasses, asshole. <laughs> he gets pissed off at Goro. <laughs> yeah, so we can get into the cast a little bit and the characters of the game and the film. So there's like Lyndon Ashby who plays Johnny Cage. So like I said, like <laughs> the developers of Midway, they weren't ever able to use Van Damme. You know, this is the closest they could get. This is the closest they could get. But they did believe that they could get the actual Jean-Claude Van Damme to play Johnny Cage. Yeah. But unfortunately, Van Damme had already gotten the gig as Colonel William Guile in the Street Fighter film, which is some strange casting as well. <laughs> so he, Yeah, of all people. He couldn't do this one. He would have been the perfect Johnny Cage. It's so annoying. Because in retrospect, he definitely chose the wrong film, you know? Yeah, and he could have been hopped up on coke the whole time. (laughs) It would have been great. I mean, maybe he's partially offended by it because it's like a fading movie star, martial arts star, although he would end up playing that in like JTVD. But yeah, no, he would have been perfect. It's one of those things as well, like the action's really hit and miss. And it's not like, you know... I'm assuming they didn't have weeks and weeks of fucking training. Mm-hmm. But it's like some of these people can fight, most of them can't. And it's like, but even the way it's 
shot because they sort of forced Paul Anderson to do it in very typical American sort of wide and close up. And he wanted to do it more like a Hong Kong style action movie. It's like, but the guy who plays Johnny Cage is a real life martial artist. And this movie makes him look kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, because Lyndon Ashby was a martial artist. He, before, but before he got cast, they they still had other people who were martial artists in mind as mm-hmm. well. Particularly Brandon Lee was concerned. Oh, for the part Brandon Lee would have killed that due to his good looks, his name, his martial arts ability. What a career Brandon Lee would have had! Could he would have <sighs> ended up being in like I feel like he was he was in talks for The Matrix and yeah. a bunch of other stuff and like Shang Chi at one point. What's going to happen with Brandon Lee? Yeah, I mean, like just what a shame. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because unfortunately, as we all know, Brandon Lee tragically died in a freak accident on the set of The Crow, which we did do an episode about back in the day. We've done it twice, technically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the crow, <laughs> crow Man. The crow Man. Fuck. We don't talk about Crow Man. <laughs> we, we don't, we don't talk, talk about, about crow those Man. Nether Realm episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's it's such a shame though because yeah Brandon Lee would have been amazing but yeah Lyndon Ashby I don't really know him too well this is like his his one thing one and done I mean he was in a lot of other things and TV shows and all sorts of stuff but it's just like I don't know it is he in the second one but he gets like killed off immediately I think so yeah, yeah unless if he did he might not he might not even reprise the role because a lot of people didn't the only person that really back. came back was Luke, uh, was Luke Kang yeah. Tom Cruise was also considered for Johnny Cage, which is really strange. I don't know That's how true this really is. Weird. But there's, Do that now. There's a really that. Yeah, there's a really weird story here as well that he even tried to like sneak onto the set to see the filming process. So Lyndon Ashby, who played Johnny Cage, said Tom Cruise had a hangar nearby and came over and was like, Hey, what are you guys shooting? Can I check it out? And the medic goes, You're not in this movie, go away. And Tom Cruise <laughs> goes, I just want to see. And he goes, I don't care who you are. Get out of here. And he turned Tom Cruise away. <laughs> nice. I could I could see Tom Cruise doing this, like, Color of Money era Tom Cruise. Just, yeah. like, absolute piece of shit <laughs> version of Tom Cruise. Yeah. Could play it. Too short, though. Yeah. But this is, like, just <laughs> prior, like, just before he did Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise. Yeah, so. Mission Impossible with him getting back at the fucking Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You think I'll I can't do it, huh? I'll show you. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> it sounds like a Mickey Mouse in my head. <laughs> All right, this was really weird. Did you, you remember when you first see Johnny Cage in the film and he's on set and there's like... Yeah, come on, yeah, guys. Yeah, because like, you're not sure what you're watching and then you realize he's actually just filming a movie. But <laughs> yeah, then there's yeah. a director that looks exactly like Steven Spielberg. Yeah, Senior Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this was a German-American actor named Sandy Helberg. And apparently, the actual Steven Spielberg is a huge fan of Mortal Kombat. And he agreed <laughs> to do a cameo in the film. Aww. But due to scheduling conflicts, he had to pull out. And then they got this guy who just happened to look a lot like him to play the role. That's funny. Which is, I don't know. So if they get half a joke. Again, I don't know if that's true either, but that's something. I, I want to think it's true. Yeah. Spielberg has cameoed in himself and stuff, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Austin Powers. Yeah. So I feel like he had yeah, a sense he would of humor do it. about and it. And they had enough money for sure to like 
throw at people. So didn't realize he loved Mortal Kombat. Do you think that you know he's making a new movie that's like a biopic of himself, and it's just going to be like Paul Dano and Young Spielberg <laughs> playing Mortal Kombat on <laughs> the arcade system? Like that's how they would have been playing it as well. Just, yeah, I don't know, man. It's very strange. I can't imagine. Imagine, look, when did Mortal Kombat come out? Like early 90s? 92. 92. When did Schindler's List come out? Oh, 93. Can you imagine Steven Spielberg taking breaks from the set <laughs> of the to run to the arcade to fucking rip out someone's spine? Maybe. <laughs> it yeah. was that and calls from Robin Williams that like kept him alive. Yeah. Kept him sane during Jesus that time. Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> That's how I like to think yeah. that happened. Yeah, Brigitte Wilson, Sampras. Uh, I'm saying Sampras because, yeah, she's Pete Sampras' wife, which is pretty cool. A tennis legend. Uh, oh, playing yeah. Sonia Blade. Originally, New Line was really keen to get it Cameron Diaz in the film because they were they were producing The Mask just before Mortal Kombat got uh, made, and they loved her look, and they were just like, oh, like she wasn't a star yet, and they were just obsessed mm. with like all oh, the idea Cameron Diaz, like she'll be great. She'll be so good, but she broke her wrist while training or possibly, I don't know, doing something not related, but she was going to do it. Playing Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Playing <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So unfortunately she couldn't do any of the martial arts stunts necessary for the film. So Brigitte Wilson was tapped, but Brigitte Wilson, she had been passed up for the role like several times. Like she had, <laughs> she had auditioned several times and they passed, passed her up. So she took, the infamous role of Veronica Vaughn and Billy Madison. <laughs> that Veronica Vaughn <laughs> is one fine piece of ace. <laughs> ace. I know from experience. No, you don't. <laughs> you can My imagine God. that. You can imagine. I, yes, I know a guy. Really. I know and a guy. My friend, he and her got it on. It on. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Chris Farley. Uh, what a perfect legend. in that. Yeah. Um, she's bad in this though. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she I mean, I feel like they just told her to be pissed off. She's not a great actor, but or I like what they did with Sonya Blade until the very end. Well, when they like tweet her hair and like yeah, turn it's like the total, and like, Yeah, the dumb I mean it, this is like Star Wars anyway. The whole story is basically Star Wars, mm-hmm. but with ninjas. And yeah. but like you know they they totally did the whole like you know Princess Leia sort of thing Nothing with her like all. she starts so cool she's badass you know she's just like doesn't take any shit she hates Kano and she's like talking shit to him and she kicks his ass she kills him breaks his neck but yeah then they just like fucking put her in some sexy outfit and just like have her like damsel in distress yeah. and it's like ah oh, for fuck's sake so yeah Why? that kind of sucks yeah but she's yeah she's she's. She played her well, she but I feel like they just played her, played, made her be like, just be a bitch throughout the whole movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like scowl at everyone. Yeah. But everybody does it. Everybody hates each other until they're suddenly friends at the end. Yeah. And in love, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. it, they barely do the character relationship. They're kind of there. Yeah. But it's like everyone has their one thing and they play it. Yeah. Which is just kind of there. It's sort of like Kano. The, Kano's like mad annoying. Yeah, it's like, definitely. Where are you from, bro? They just forced him. Like they forced the relationship for these main three characters. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like whatever. But yeah, yeah, Kano for fuck's sake. Yeah, one second. What? <laughs> we'll get there. But fortunately for Mortal Kombat, filming on Billy Madison had just wrapped before they made the film, so Brigitte Wilson was available again, and she happily took the role, even if it meant that she had to be flown in 
to the set the next day and had to train for her big fight scenes in between shooting the rest of the movie. Oh my God. She's like, I miss Adam Sandler. Everyone, like mostly everyone had done their own stunts for this film as well. Of course, like any of the big shit was like other people, but all the fighting scenes and all that shit was the actors themselves. Like that's why they did get a lot of martial artists and stuff. But then, you know, like they had to teach her how to do her fight scenes. So her big fight scene with Kano, who was played by Trevor Goddard, was filmed at the end of the film. Oh. And then they just cut it in. Trevor Goddard is from Croydon, right? I was going to say, right? Like, where the fuck is he from? Could I know in the games? They made him Australian? Yeah, as a reference to this. To this film. But, yeah. But, and he was, I don't think he originally had any, maybe he was Japanese originally. But this guy doesn't sound, he's kind of Australian. He well, kind he of starts British. starts Australian. Like- and then he turns, like, Cockney. But then it's weird. I think he accidentally weird. did an Australian accent. They're like, boom, do yeah. that. And he was like, fuck, now I'm stuck. But I read something that apparently he claimed to be of Australian descent. So his accent, was he, he used that accent a lot in films anyway. Okay. Which doesn't make sense. He claimed to be from Australia. So he would do Australian <laughs> accents. But then he blurred in his Croydon, accent's Gabna. so fucked in this film. Like it starts yeah, like, it starts Australian and then it turns into like, fucking cockney and now in the new one because i watched the new mortal Kombat 2021 to like sort of i don't know as a as a little like extra bit and yeah, yeah. the kano and that is totally australian so it's like <laughs> like fully australian it's so strange like julie and i were like what what's going on with this accent because i remember him being australian but then he starts sounding i think and it's also like americans don't know as well and they're just like it's, Americans can't figure accents out. You know they can't. You could so, yeah, British Australia it's not the same fucking yeah. shit. So I think that's why people thought he was Australian. <laughs> 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 it's so strange. Oh, uh, we have speaking of accents for fuck's sake, Christopher Lambert is Raiden. I don't what is so. this casting? <laughs> <laughs> what is this casting? I like I absolutely love Christopher Lambert because he is like a, he seems like he's such a genuinely nice guy. <laughs> he does, but he can't act for shit. He's so bad in this movie. To be honest, I like love the it, casting but... is so on point for this film for the most part. Yeah. But what the fuck was Christopher Lambert doing in this film is is Raiden. Like, dude, you play the game? Do you know who Raiden is? <laughs> Raiden, sorry, whatever they want to call him. <laughs> what the hell, dude? He's like this badass wizard who like shoots lightning, and he's just like an old, like yeah. k- kind of weird man. And he'll whisper everything in a like hushed tone, like this. He seems too normal. Yeah, you know, it's so strange. It doesn't. It doesn't work. work. Weirdly, though, like people like Danny Glover was being thrown around early on. By people at New Line to play Raiden. Sure. Really? Danny yeah. Glover? Yeah. I'm with you. Go on. <laughs> it's so strange. <laughs> like some of the I'm names. getting too old for this lightning. <laughs> some of the names that were thrown around. And then Sean Connery was considered. Oh as well. Another movie Sean Connery wouldn't understand. Yeah. And he would say no to. But then they quickly realized that Sean Connery just wanted to play golf. So they gave it to his Highlander co-star Christopher Lambert instead. Fair enough. But yeah. like as weird as Christopher Lambert is in this film, apparently he was a godsend to Paul W.S. Anderson, just really helping him feel comfortable on his first big like budget film. He didn't act like a big movie star. 
He helped out a lot of the younger stars. And then when production decided that due to his big wage, because he was the most expensive actor on set, that they could only afford him like for close-up shots in Hollywood, and they didn't fly him out to Thailand where they were shooting a lot of the film, and they were going to instead use a stand-in for wide shots and stuff. Mm. He believed that the film would be so much better if he was just there the whole time, so he agreed to come out to Thailand on his own dime, and he even paid. <laughs> so he even paid for the rap party after the film. Yeah, what seemed like awesome a movie. like a decent dude came yeah. out out of the way, like actually cared about the like the movie. Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> That's why <laughs> I, I guess you I can mean, feel it. He looked like he's having fun. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like I can't fault him, and he came to the cinema like a few years ago for like the Highlander, like anniversary i think like, oh really but he was super cool so nice like cool guy well, i guess it was 30th fucking hell 30th anniversary because <laughs> yeah it just hit the 35th this year jesus we have carrie hiroyuki tagawa shing chong oh my god here we go this is what i mean perfect like perfect him and Liu kang yeah i'm saving the best make two for this the, movie yeah for the end they're just so cool you stole it mine <laughs> your brother stole perfect. it mine. he was the first and only choice for the role he came yep. to the audition in costume and he read his lines while standing on a chair oh, yeah they're just like yeah fucking great this guy's just great. like what like i fucking believe you yeah in this role again like street fighter the only real saving grace is raul julia and bison mm. It's the villain, yeah, because like, you have this sort of older actor who's just bringing all the, like this actual skill and gravitas yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, just someone who got it, and it really was. He like knew what what they were making, and he fucking they knew did the it. assignment. Yeah, and it was like Shang Tsung, like Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, like he fucking came in and nailed it. I mean, he's so good. They depicted uh, Shang Tsung as being like younger in the film to avoid like the excessive makeup that would have required to like make him look a lot older to like make him look like he does in the game yeah which I no, was totally cool with. like it doesn't matter doesn't matter and you at the end you throw to an even bigger older villain yeah yeah so, like shock shock up. <laughs> yeah. yeah so it works yeah but i mean it's like it's so cool he's so awesome i love him like like i already joked johnny tsunami like fucking awesome movie from decom you know disney channel original movie like He's so cool as the original Johnny Tsunami, the grandfather. He's just awesome. He's such a cool guy. And he's like awesome in this film. He's so like just believable and scary. I remember him being kind of scary when I was a kid. You know, he just like fucking like taking souls out of people and stuff. It's like, it's kind of cool. Like, you know, like, yeah. Oh, that a lot of the effects really are really cool. cool. The worst thing is reptile. Like reptile yeah, looks like a it fucking like PS1 fucking, game or something. <laughs> like, it looks like Gex. It's like yeah. that old game Gex. Yeah. It's like, Oh, like that one, you did not have the budget to do like yeah. a full 3D model of a character. It looked really dodgy. Yeah, they didn't even know what Reptile was going to look like when they were doing those fights. So like, you know, Robin Shoes fighting no one. Like he didn't, <laughs> he didn't know what he was going to look like. So yeah, and then they create this weird, like, yeah, multicolored what? PS1 lizard yeah i I appreciate having like reptile and scorpion or something at least they're all there yeah and i'm even if they have you know the way they take down something like with water yeah which is or a riddle and then water <laughs> you must find the element the element that brings life yeah that's what it and he's like what yeah I forgot <laughs> about fucking katana. tell me it's life or death here katana you know? oh my god she's yeah 
strange in this film. Yeah, and barely in it. Yeah, they wanted her to be like his his love interest, which they of course like expand upon in the next film. But yeah, mm-hmm. so strange. But yeah, uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, he like I said, like he did go on to reprise his role in Mortal Kombat 11, yeah. as well as in the 2011 live action TV show uh, Mortal Kombat Legacy. So he came back. So that's pretty cool. Robin Shu is Liu Kang again, Liu saving Kang. the best for last. These two guys, like <laughs> the best, make it. he's so cool as well. Like I remember just being obsessed with Robin Shu. Like I saw that shitty movie, uh, Beverly Hills Ninja, and probably loved it way too much because of Robin Shu. <laughs> I gave Annihilation I way too movie. much of my time just because of Robin Shu. Like, yeah, I've never sat through it. He, Can't do it. He looks, he just looks cool. He looks apart. When I think of Liu Kang, I think of him. Uh, it was really a struggle for the new film because it wasn't Robin Shu. Uh, but oh yeah, also the new Liu Kang is very weird looking and very strange. He's like he, very odd. He's not good. Not not really. It's not Is really he the main his, character. Not the really either. He's he he's cool. He's a cool character in the film, but I mean, it's it's not really him his story. So, which kind of takes away from it as well because like. He Mortal Kombat cool. is Liu Kang's yeah. story. Like it's it's strange to like not like Liu Kang is always the champion. It's like he's yeah. the winner like of the tournaments and all of the games in the storylines and stuff. So yeah, very odd. But Robin Shu had a friend who had to convince him to go out for the film as he thought it would be really dumb and a stereotypical Asian bad guy role. Little did he know that he'd be the hero of the franchise. <laughs> So he had to audition a total of seven times before he was hired. And apparently like his friends were like, dude, what the fuck? Like, like, cause he had a friend <laughs> in the business and he was just like, that's very odd. What? I don't know why you had to go out so many times. Uh, but yeah. he was a stunt man and an actor in Hong Kong. So he worked with the likes of like Jackie Chan and just like was in a lot of cool films. And he would go on to choreograph a lot of the fight scenes in this film. So thank Robin Shu for any of the cool shit. Like he choreographed a lot of this stuff. Like I said, most of the actors did their own stunts and stuff. Mm. And they were getting beat the fuck up in this film. So I'm <laughs> going to go through a list of little injuries that happened. So Robin Shu broke two ribs while he was fighting Reptile. Uh, he didn't tell anyone because he was worried they were going to stop production. So during the middle of the fight, he like while they were shooting that, he told the guy playing Reptile to like, not hit him on that side because he <laughs> be cold, goddamn bro. ribs. Brigitte Wilson dislocated a shoulder. Apparently they were able to pop it back in and it was completely oh. fine. So it was oh. like, okay. But yeah. the worst was Lyndon Ashby who played Johnny Cage. He mildly bruised his kidney while he was fighting Scorpion. Oh, and, classic Scorpion. Yeah. Like apparently it was just really bad. Like, <laughs> like shit. <laughs> so yeah there was a lot of injuries happening uh and speaking of things that were fucked up goro oh my god it wouldn't be a 90s movie without a puffet that fucks up, right? <laughs> we just need little people yeah. were there any little people more come back i don't i don't recall i think that's why it's yeah. a good movie because there was no little people yeah yeah well all of goro's scenes were filmed in los angeles at a studio there and the animatronic that was used to portray him had to be operated by 13 to 16 people. And it frequently oh. broke down causing significant delays. It looked like it's about to topple over at any <laughs> given point. Yeah. It couldn't be brought to Thailand out of fear that it would uh, cause even more trouble. So for the fight scenes involving Goro, the crew had to create a soundstage with ponds and water 
and these were quickly removed to prevent Goro from falling in and accidentally short-circuiting. He was originally supposed to have a bigger role in the film, but it just wasn't possible due to all the issues. So Yeah. I mean, he did it enough. Yeah. I, yeah you just want to see him. You yeah. just want to see him. He doesn't have to be a fucking main character. Yeah, it's just sort of like, you know, you hint at him a little bit, you see some shadows, and then you talk about him a little bit, and then, yeah. Well, on to something that did work. The goddamn soundtrack, Phil. God damn it. Oh, man. Techno syndrome. <laughs> the film's uh, score was composed by George S. Clinton. Not to be confused with George Clinton, George Clinton of P-Funk. It's not him. No, yeah, it's some not, old okay. white. I was about to say, like, from, <laughs> from Good Burger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw George Clinton listed in the credits, and I was like... What? And then I looked it up. And it wasn't <laughs> the same George Clinton. It's like, oh, they look at the same fucking thing. It's yeah. Paul Anderson. Yeah, like, Paul Anderson. Oh wait, Paul W. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. movie is full of like, yeah. you know, you mistering other famous people's names. The filmmakers fought for an EDM soundtrack, and thankfully they did because it became one of the most popular soundtracks from a video game ever, with it going platinum in less than a year and hitting number ten on the Billboard 200. Of course, there is techno syndrome by the immortals which is the mortal Kombat theme that is like amazing amazing one of the greatest themes ever it's up there with you know total power and axel fully Fully. yeah axel f's theme ghostbusters so Uh, good what kiss from a rose was that written that wasn't written for batman right no but it's on a soundtrack and it's one of the greatest kiss from a rose (laughs) it's so good it's up there and hero by chad Kroger. (laughs) yeah Yeah, hero. You know? Yeah. Oh, and um, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck, yeah. Howard, Howard the, the Duck. duck. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Way better than it should have been. Maybe. <laughs> that was the only good thing about that movie, yeah. and it wasn't even good. Yeah. <laughs> But this, this is, is good. This is go. so good. Hot take. Yeah. More combat. So probably good. better than I used to. I used to like, I, I think I said this before, but yeah, I used to take karate. And when I was a kid, like I had, um, I had to do like both. Like I, I used the bow staff, like for what, my weapon of choice or whatever. Cause you had to pick you're a like, weapon. You're like Donnie. Yeah. 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 I was definitely a Donatello. And yeah, I had to do like, you would do things called like forms and stuff like so with weapons but like so a choreographed sort of thing and you would do it without music but then there was also a music competition as well <laughs> so you would do weapons with music and cool like what every, did you do? Did you everyone do did mortal kombat team in my school uh, it, that it was, was like our, the jedi the star wars jedi video yeah we came in we had like we all had these like really badass American flag geese that are like awesome. Fuck yeah, so like cool. fucking Rex Kwando. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've said this before that my karate instructor was basically Rex Kwando. He was like insane. And yeah, everyone used the Mortal Kombat theme. So you knew when our school was up because we always looked fucking <laughs> badass and we had Mortal Kombat theme. It was great. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I won. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I won second place once uh, using that theme and I lost to a girl who was doing the song from Titanic with those like fucking nightstick things. And it was the most boring fucking shit ever. And I, <laughs> I still protest to this day. The Titanic, bro. That made a billion dollars. Everybody remember that song. I protest. <laughs> yeah, I protest. <laughs> I demand a recount, duh. Also, dude, like there's some other cool, like there's like typo negative on this soundtrack. There's like yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. other like cool bands, but dude, like Control by Tracy Lords is sick. <laughs> and then... That's a good one. 
Halcyon on plus on by Orbital. Oh, the That's a classic. I know that more from fucking DKY2K yeah. back in the day. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? I was going to bring that up, but I didn't know if you knew it. So yeah, okay. Of course. But, yeah. yeah. Dude, I, but, I put it on at work the other day and I was like, oh, I fucking love this song. Yeah. When it came on, I was just like dancing to it. I was just like, yeah, dude. Bang. Like, again, it's a sort of genre of music I don't particularly like. Yeah. I can blanket statement that, but yeah. there's a few I really like. And that's one of them. And that's one of them. Yeah. And like it sure. ends the film, it's so perfect. And like I was uh <laughs> Damn, damn, damn. Yeah, when I when I like was looking up like the music and the soundtrack and stuff when I was prepping this, like I was, I saw that like uh the video for that like on YouTube. In the comments section there was someone was like, I don't care when it is, but when the pandemic's over, I'm gonna put on this song. <laughs> <laughs> The perfect song. And everyone in the comments were just quoting the end, like where he's Luke Kane's talking to his brother and stuff. <laughs> it's just, so silly. We should do that whenever yeah. the, if, whatever that day is, yeah. when the pandemic is officially over, we just end the episode with that song. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll end this episode with that song. <laughs> it's playing now, uh, I bet. <laughs> Mortal Kombat was originally scheduled for a May 1995 US release, but it was pushed back to August. According to Kazanoff, this was because New Line Cinema's executives felt that the film had the potential to be a summer hit. And they were right, because it opened number one at the box office for the weekend with $23.2 million. God damn right. It was right. released on October 20th in the United Kingdom and on... December 26th in Australia. Ultimately, it would earn $73 million in the United States and $51.7 million overseas for a worldwide total of $124.7 million on an $18 million budget. Wow. So Jeez. fuck yeah. Definitely make a thicker yeah. one, but we'll cut the budget yeah. even more. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> Five fuck million. It. Five million. You're still going to make over $100 million. No, you won't. No, yeah. you won't. No, it's uh, like you put more money. You could have doubled your budget and yeah. it would have looked amazing. And that movie would have fucking killed. Yeah. Mortal Kombat was still huge. Yeah, it was. A couple years later. And even like they used the storyline from the games and it was a cool storyline, but they just yeah. fucked it up. <laughs> like completely fucked it up. Uh, the film became the highest grossing video game adaptation of all time before being surpassed by Pokemon, the first movie in 1998. But that doesn't, I feel like that doesn't really count because it's like an animated film. That doesn't really count, yeah. So live action. But then, you know, of course, like, all these newer films, Detective Pikachu, and, I mean, probably even Resident Evil probably made more money. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, did the new one make more money? Uh, the new Mortal Kombat? I'm not, I I'm doubt it. it did. I doubt it because yeah. of the fucking pandemic. Oh, yeah. I feel like it came out years ago. <laughs> <laughs> its budget was $55 million. And it has made, made fifty-four, eighty-three point six million. So not too bad, but I mean, it was, it was like on HBO Max as well. So it probably did it was well a hit, I think, judge. for that, and it did well on the service. But yeah, yeah, like I'll watch it whenever it drops. Yeah, it was. It's pretty fun. I enjoyed it. It's not. It's kind. It's kind of too long, um, but yeah. it, it, it's pretty cool. It did better than the original. No, nah, really. I mean, the OG is just perfect. It's kind of like a perfect <laughs> shite movie, you know? It's like. Yeah, it's yeah. a perfect shite movie because you don't hate yourself for watching. Yeah. It's I get maybe it's a partly nostalgia again talking. It's nostalgic fun. Yeah. I really liked it as a kid. But I think I, I think pretty accessible. 
And it's a good, honestly, it's a good way into what Mortal Kombat. Absolutely. Is. If you don't know what it is, watch the movie. And the lore is like it, play the game. The lore is super cool. Like it's a super cool yeah. story. Julia didn't really like. You know, she had never seen it, and she, you know, when she watched it, she was like, "This is kind of fun. I get it. Like, you know, I can see why you would." It entered a dragon, but with monsters. Yeah, yeah. I can see why you would have loved this as a kid. You know, like, but she and didn't. And for some reason, love it now. Yeah, she didn't think it was <laughs> shite or anything. Um, unless if she just didn't tell me. But she, she would normally say like, "Oh, this, this is horrible." You <laughs> just politely yeah. leave, <laughs> leave the room. She's like, "I'm gonna use the bathroom yeah. and just never come back." <laughs> oh, it's over. No. Yeah. What happened to Liu Kang? Oh no. <laughs> Is his brother okay? <laughs> Died at the beginning. You weren't watching. Pay attention, <laughs> goddammit. Critics didn't really love the film as they saw the writing and the acting to be weak, but some of them were impressed by the special effects and they were impressed <laughs> that there was finally a half decent video game movie out in the world. Uh, so, yeah. Phil, how did Paul W.S. Anderson do? Does he have a shot with this one film at winning Anderson versus Anderson versus Anderson? No. No. <laughs> no, but it's a fucking good it's shot. It's a fun film. Yeah. It's a fun, It's a really fun film, and he quickly found his niche. Yeah. With these sort of, um, I guess, video game movies. <laughs> I'm going to try and be like, oh, I, you know, he makes action movies, like supernatural horror. Yeah. And big blockbuster, did not have movies sometimes. He's good at making those big, heady Hollywood pictures yeah, yeah, yeah. that, you know, tend to obviously not have a lot behind them usually, mm-hmm. but his ones tend to be fine. Yeah. I mean, they're well made. Yeah. Like the actual craft and choice behind it. Um, and this is a fun one. It doesn't touch anything PTA has done. Um, it touches some of what West Ham's done. But not most of it. <laughs> but not most of it. <laughs> yeah. But I like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it better than I liked... Uh... Part eight, yeah, and I like it better than I liked Boogie Nights. Even though I know That's Boogie Nights up, is a better film, but That's really it's like, this up. is way more fun. Could um, you imagine either of them making the movie? No, <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Um, yeah. Paul Thomas imagine Anderson more, more than Wes Anderson, but oh, PTA I think would get a fucking kick out of making something like yeah. That. yeah. It'd be like an Alien Three situation mm. where you'd be like, what? Yeah. It'd be like a real mix of ideas. <laughs> West Anderson would be very strange. Every, everyone would look cool as shit, I'm sure, in a West Anderson film. Oh, yeah. It would look like the video yeah. game. But they just you like. Know? It would just be a <laughs> yeah. cut off camera. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like, what? How did you do And this? they all fight in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is kind of all you need. <laughs> but they keep cutting away from the fight. Actually, it would work perfect. Yeah. You keep introducing characters, and <laughs> yeah. you get to do all the characters for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> all right, I'm sold. And this is Shao Kahn. <laughs> Chapter 14, Shao Kahn. <laughs> and he's just smoking, looking like, <laughs> like at the, on the, on his balcony, like looking down yeah. at the tournament, like the Outer World tournament, and just being like, oh, fuck. I have to fight all these fucking people. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Paul W.S. Anderson. You, you didn't win the competition. You're up there, though. Well, you're third. Okay. Yeah, you're That's third. <laughs> out of a three-man contest. Three. So that's it. We can finally put this to bed. We're wait, done. Uh, wait. We're officially done. Wait, Phil, what? What? No. Dude, there's someone else who wants in now? What? What? <laughs> what? Dude, you need to start locking your door. You're not even an Anderson. Oh, <sighs> so Wes Anderson produced 
one of your movies and you think you should be oh. let in on the fun. Ah, for fuck's sake. All right, Phil. Next week, we're going to see about a divorce. <sighs> Another one. <laughs> and the Wes Anderson produced Noel Baumbach directed indie oh. drama from 2005. The Squid in the Well. Fuck's sake. Fuck's fine. Fine, fine. Baumbach. We'll do it. <laughs> and then are we done? And I think we're finally done. (laughs) Ah! Ah! See you next week, guys. (laughs) This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.